According to Barna, 64% of Christians today think that evangelism is optional. Let's change the stats. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hey everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. How are you, Tim? Doing great today. Awesome, awesome. Well, today we have on the podcast Pastor Danny and Nathan Green, mm-hmm. and it's in a fascinating conversation. I, I The conversation's about a 15-year plan that yeah. they put into place 10 years ago. They're 10 years into the plan, and it is working so far perfectly about a 15-year plan for succession, which I found fascinating because I think one of the greatest needs coming up, I'm having this conversation everywhere with pastors and leaders. Mm-hmm. Articles are being written how the next big crisis in the American church is going to be this whole idea of succession, that there's mega church pastors all over the place who in the next five to 10 years are going to be retiring with no real plan of succession. And here are these guys, and they got 15 years, they had a 15-year plan. So let me ask you a question. What are you going to be doing in the next 15 years? What's your 15-year plan? Kelly, I can't plan anywhere past 15 minutes from now. I don't don't know how they do it. This kind of thing requires diligence. It requires a vision from the start, and it requires a commitment, not just on one person, but on both. Yeah, well, just the idea is impressive. When I first heard that, I was like, wow, just the idea of of having a 15-year succession plan. I thought, okay, that's fascinating. But I think what's even more impressive is that they are doing it. Yeah. They're 10 years in. They're actually a little bit ahead of schedule. Walking it and out. so we have this amazing conversation with them on what that plan was, what it looks like, um, how they're implementing it. And it's fascinating. Every leader has to listen to this, whether you are uh, about to retire or are just you need to have a plan 15 years yeah. from now, 10 years from now, five years from now. Fascinating conversation with Pastor Danny and Nathan Green of Skybreak Church in College Station, Texas. Well, welcome, Pastor Danny and Nathan Green. Uh, welcome to, to GoCast. It's such a pleasure to have you guys on, on the program today. Awesome. Great to be here. Man, I'm so excited to get to talk about uh, this topic. We're going to talk about succession uh, a bit, and I'm excited to talk about this because I think this is so so needed uh, at and a great discussion and you guys got a plan that we're going we're going to hear about that I think is just extraordinary. So let's let's just back this up a little bit so everybody can become familiar with you guys and and what's going on. So so Pastor Dan, you you founded Skybreak Church in College Station, Texas um uh, in 1987, correct? Yes, May oh. of 1987. We rolled into town not a real strategy, didn't have uh, art back then and other op- opportunities. We just came in with a passion to try to build a church. We had one three-year-old son at the time. Wow. Everything we owned was in the back of a truck. We rented a building. I was in a denomination. We started having church. That's amazing. And university town, so I mean, there's that comes with its own uh, unique challenges uh, as well. So that's uh, that's exciting. So I mean, the church had humble beginnings, but is now a church of, of thousands. So talk to us a little bit about the church and how it's grown over the years. Well, thank you, Kelly. I mean, we're humbled by what God is doing, and uh, but seeing hundreds of people now every week gather in our services, and, uh, you know, we went through a lot of learning curves in 32 years, and, and I know after about eight years of being in the denomination, we, we had about 100 people. We were here eight years, and I'm like, there's got to be more. Mm-hmm. Loved my heritage, loved my background, but felt like 
Yeah, so I have no stones to throw regarding that. It just felt like they, they were stuck. And I, I didn't know where we were going to go, but I knew there had to be something different. And so we found out there's a really big world out here, and there's a lot of hurting people that, that uh, want to know Jesus. And so we're grateful now. You have to see uh, scores of people every week, every color, every background, every age, uh, every race walk through our doors every weekend, and it's just rewarding. So thank God for that. That's awesome. And yeah, I mean, Skybreak is is a soul-winning church. It's an outward-focused church. Uh, you're going after the lost, and, and I love it, and uh, lots of salvations, and it's exciting. So, okay, I got to ask this, uh, Nathan. Growing up as a PK, what was it like? Uh, I think more than anything, um, hindsight in it, I didn't see it maybe quite like this, but um, I would say it was definitely a privilege. Um, mm. it, the word that I would probably use, and uh, this is maybe just ministry in general, it's brutal. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a brutal side to it, uh, but there's also a beautiful side. And so the, the the brutal side of knowing that the whole glass house mentality, we probably many, many PKs have said, or we've heard the phrase of, uh, I would say it, it's true. You know, you got the, the people that are watching you. You're, you're the kid. You're the PK. So you should be acting a certain way. But then there's the beautiful side of it where at least I had accountability growing up and people mm. were, were looking out for me. We had those the extra moms in the church, you know, that could spank you just like your parents would, you know, so yeah, things like that. So I would say it, it, there was a it was brutal. You had the, the ministry side of it, but you also had um, the ministry side of it, if that makes sense. So getting to do things that Maybe people didn't get to do go places that people didn't get to go. I mean, um, he was my dad. Uh, he was also my pastor, so I had full access as a pastor, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then growing up, now where I am now, still a PK. Uh, he's also my boss, and he's also my friend, and he's also my mentor. So learning all of that dynamic uh, was definitely it was a journey, but it was very enjoyable. That's very cool, and it's it's obviously been more beautiful than brutal because here you are. 30 years old and uh, you're on staff and <laughs> in church. And that, that is, you can't, that you can't always say that uh, about a lot of PKs that go through that. So uh, congratulations to both of you uh, on that. All right. So pastor Danny, uh, let's get to it. All right. So you told me something a little while ago, we were in conversation and it absolutely blew my mind. You said that about 10 years ago, you set out with a 15 year succession plan. I, I've never heard of that. And I was and and am uh, very, very impressed with that idea. So talk to us about why you felt it was important to plan that far ahead. Um, and in particular, your burden for to focus on succession in, in the I mean, in the prime of your ministry career. I mean, you this is 10 years ago. Um, you had lots of years left in ministry, but yet this was a focus and and on your heart to plan that far ahead. So talk to us about that. Kelly, the big picture is my my dad is 82 today, and he's was a pastor for many years. I'm the oldest of four sons, and all my brothers have been in ministry and pastors. Wow. And so, I from the from a front row seat, I've watched a generation ahead of us. In my opinion, not in my opinion, didn't know how to transition well. Mm. And so, their pulpit was their identity. And so, I told Janet when I was 49, I'm 59 today. I was rolling into my 50th birthday. I said, we got to get this right. We're going to start right now. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I think we got 15 years to make to make the journey. So we're going to start, and we're going to – I don't want it to be drastic. I want it to be smooth. 
And so I felt like it was like three five-year windows. And I can't say this is a real well-thought-out strategy, but there's going to be five years of training that we need to do. Really just be intentional about training. Don't assume anything. Then there's going to be a second five years of, of us doing this together. You're going to do it. I'm going to do it. You're, we're going to do this together, hand in hand. And then there's going to be five years of affirmation, five years wow. just showing support, being on the front row and like, go, go, go. You're the man. And let the church see me support the new leader 100%, not just, you know, hey, it's your, here's the church and then I'm gone. Uh, so I didn't, we didn't know how that was going to look, right? I mean, that's just kind of a, a, our, our strategy. And so, uh, yeah, so here we are, um, that we were on this journey and right now, uh, the, the best example I would say that what, what we've used and, and what really made it clear for me how we're going to do this, the best example to look at was a relay, right? I ran a 440 relay in high school as a number three runner of a 440 lap, one lap relay. So I, I had to run that third leg of the race and, but just the whole idea of a relay and the, the passing of the baton, and there's an exchange zone, and you've got to hand it off within that period of time, and the person with the baton has to make sure he gets it to the guy in front of him. It's not the guy in front of him's responsibility to take it. It's my job to get it to him, you know, but he's, he does have to be prepared to receive it, right? right. And he's got to be moving. He can't be static. He's got to be on the go, too. So. So just to speed forward a minute, Nathan and I right now, we both have our hand on the baton. I would say that was very clear. Right. And we'll talk about some more details of that. But uh, I just think that, that this generation uh, before me didn't know how to do this. And I told Janet, we're going to do this. We're going to take a slow pace, but we're going to be very intentional. And we'll just play this out by ear and see what it Because there's no really good examples I don't find in the scripture. Yeah. I mean, you got fathers and sons, but you got Eli and his sons, and that didn't work out so good. And yeah, you, you know what I mean. As you start looking at examples, and I mean, Paul had his, his proteges. I get that Timothy and so on. But how do you transition the church? You know, I mean, right. we're because I've been here thirty-two years, of course. So I did run across a verse of scripture in Numbers in my daily reading a few weeks ago, and I it's Numbers eight twenty-three through twenty-five, and I just want to mention it because I thought it was, I've never read it before. It says this this is what pertains to the Levites from 25 years old and above. One may enter and perform the service in the work of the tabernacle of meeting. But at the age of 50 years, they must cease from 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 performing this work and shall work no more. They may minister with their brethren in the tabernacle meeting to attend to attend to needs. But they themselves shall do no work. So wow. I'd never read that before. Yeah, I never really paid. I never caught that either. That's amazing. And I get that that's Old Testament, but there's reason these things aren't in the scripture by accident. Right? Yeah, that's amazing. And so I read it to my wife. She goes, "Oh, that's amazing." And I'm like, "And, and you can there's you know you can ex- study that. And there's some background and all that." But yeah. I just thought it really helped me. I'm like, "Dude, at 50, that's what I was saying. We got to make a change." And yes, it in some people's eyes. And thank you for saying it. You know, you're in the stride of your ministry. I'm 59. I mean, I know more today than I've ever known, and I know what not to do more than I've ever known. Yeah. At the same time, man, a guy in his 30s, the energy, the vision, the passion, the drive, uh, how can we harness all of that together 
Uh, so that's where we are. Right I, I think it's. I think it's really. I, I really like the analogy of the relay race because oh, I mean, one thing about the relay race is that the exchange doesn't happen when, when the runner's tired. Right, the one, the runner with the baton. I mean, it doesn't happen when he's tired and slowing down. It happens at full speed, um, and we can't wait to pass on that baton when hey, when we're exhausted, we're done, we're tired, and you hand it off. Then I mean, it it you have to start at the pace at which you receive the baton, and that's so. I think what, your plan is absolutely uh, amazing. So okay, so fifteen year plan. The first five years is is training. Talk to us about the training. What did that look like? Okay, and so I've written some things down, and I'll see how I jump through all of this. But I, I really felt like that Nate and, and we have an older son named Jared, and we're going to talk about that dynamic as well. Because mm-hmm. at the early stages, I got two sons in ministry, both full time, different gifts, different strengths, and they're trying to find their footing, trying to figure out what lane they need to run in, who are they called to be, right? Right. And so, uh, but I started exposing my sons to the interworkings of the church. Uh, business meetings and and you know planning and strategy and they needed to start owning that uh, rather than just saying well you're staff and I'm going to make all these decisions and and then you just carry out the decisions I wanted them a part of the decision making process right. so I, I started including them this is where the brutal part comes in and I think it's important people uh, realize that you know we don't we sheltered our kids that were small things they didn't need to know need to know but. As they got older, it's like, okay, this is the real life. People have real problems. Yeah. We have real problems. And we're going to work through these together, and we're going to help people. And here's how we're going to do that. Yeah. So I think it was very, maybe that sounds simplistic, but, but business, you know, church meetings we were having, behind-the-scenes finance meetings, making plans, going. I'm like, yeah, I want to take you to meet the bankers. I want, to, I want you to know the attorneys. I want you to know these people. I want you, I'd see them in public maybe. I'm like, I'd call them over. I want to introduce my sons to you. and. So we just started trying to include them those first five years. So making sure they knew what it takes to build the church. It's not just well, what dad and mom have decided. And just so our listeners are, are aware, like, so in that first five years, that's what you guys built a, a facility in that same time. Is that right? So it would be, it would have five years ago, it would have been the second five year window. We built this facility. Uh, in that first five years, we built a second campus. So right. they were that strategy. Okay. And I'll, but when we built this building, yes, they were making as many decisions about building this building as I was. And yeah, I think wow. Job about really teaching the value of the whole shadow experience, like the whole Elijah and Elisha experience, where you you show me, and I may, maybe I learned this just at a younger age than than some, but the value of the shadow experience is is so underrated, and I think unnoticed by so many young leaders that they don't realize the value and just being in the presence, being in the room, watching how they act, how they handle confrontation, how they speak from a pulpit or from the moment that they're counseling somebody. Um, so I think part of the training that I got was just a matter of just following around and watching, not like a lost puppy, but yet just understanding meetings and and systems and structures and ways of thinking and how do you actually pastor people in the world we live in today. And so that was something that I think was a part of the whole training that I got out of. Wow. So, so you're so Nathan, you're you're 20 years old. I mean, this started, right? So you're in your early 20s, and you're sitting in on on business meetings, and you're sitting. I mean, I mean, talk to me about that experience. I mean, you're sitting in on meetings that. I mean, were you attentive the time? Like, how, how did? I mean, were, did you want to weigh in? I mean, what what like what, how how did that work? When you got married, you know, and then yeah. we went to Sydney for a year. So yeah, so when I when I was 
20 years old, um, I got married and three weeks later moved to Australia to go to college. My yeah. wife and I did. And um, when I came back after a year, part of the story of my mom's journey, we, we came back after a year not knowing what her future would look like and her cancer journey. But um, I wouldn't say it's right at 21 years old when I got back, was it necessarily that I was jumping into business meetings? Um, I still was, I, I walked into doing youth ministry not knowing what the heck I was doing. I was surprised he let me walk in at 21 years old with one year of actual college experience in this. Um, but I think over the course of time, me learning out of my own experiences and failures, figuring things out, but then slowly over the course of a few years, you slowly begin to bring me into things, he, he, business meetings. Um, and it was about, I don't know, two or three years ago that we actually got a part of our corporate like, side of things. So um, wasn't a whole lot of information at first because wanted to make sure that there's a value in that and understanding that and making sure my heart was right and ready to, to be able to handle some sort of information that most people would never be able to see or hear. Wow. Yeah, so, so Kelly, they would hear us making decisions. So Mom, Janet and I talking about, okay, we need to make this decision, how we're going to do that. I, I didn't shelter. I wanted them to hear all of that. Right. And then Nathan to develop his preaching skills. So youth ministry was a great place for him to develop his pulpit skills and teaching every week, developing a sermon, finding his voice. You know, we, we've heard that language yep, used. Yep. And, but yeah, he, he didn't need to be me. He needed to be him, right? Uh, so... So all that happened in those first five years and then even beyond that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of what, what was going on during that journey. OK, so then talk to us about the transition into the second five years. All right. So what began to shift and, and how did that the second five years look? And you're just at the tail end of that, right? Yeah. So, you know, and and I, I use the five year window. That's kind of vacillated a little bit. It's not like a hard number. Or yeah. A hard yeah. Eight. Um, and I, to, I may, to segue into that, people might need to understand my situation personally, as, as you do, Kelly, a little bit, where my wife's journey with battling cancer for so long, um, the last nine years, nine and a half almost, have been really challenging for her. So mm. during this this whole journey, we've had that going on, which right. keep uh, it has has actually caused me to even push forward quicker. Are, are more intentional because I've had to, I've not been able to be at the office. I'm not, I've had to attend to Janet with her journey and chemotherapy and treatments and so on and right, so right. forth. Um, but what it's done is it's caused the you if you give young people a chance to stand up and lead, they will. Yeah. And you you so the John Mackle example, you know, I do, you watch, you do, I watch, we do, then you do. I mean, right? And that's kind of really just where we've been. Yeah. Um, the shift really happened at the first of this year, 2019. Okay. So Nate began to preach more on the weekends, but basically yeah. he began to be a part of our strategy, our series. But prior to 2019, you were doing maybe five or six weekends a year, give or take. Yeah, more a lot behind the scenes. But he was leading staff. Now you've been leading staff for probably three, three years. years now. So the oh. daily staff, Nate, I started handing off the staff first. And there's a whole conversation about the team that I built versus now the team. He has to build his own team. The team that followed me, some of them are not here. Some of them are. Most of them aren't because they were loyal to me. But there's been only a few that like, okay, I'm going to be lo- the same loyalty to, to me. Right, right, right. So I wanted that to happen first if we could go back before the actual stage. So. So we've been building the team, and he's been working and, and establishing his leadership with our core. 
And then in 2019, the preaching schedule, I'm doing 22 weekends this year. Nate's doing 20. Yeah. So there was a major shift this year where that we did. I mean, we just put the brakes on it and put the gas on him. He had a new baby born in January. I'm like, okay, welcome. Here's your third child. <laughs> 20 years now, 20 weekends a year. You're going to be preaching. You got the whole staff in your lap. I use it uh, like a sports a term. You got to get your legs. Yeah. You know, there's something you do, Kelly. We do as we've been in ministry longer that you do in rhythm, and you don't even know you're doing right. it. You get that's, you that's so true. Well, when a new guy's coming along, he's having to take those loads on, right? And then, but he's got to get his legs for that. So we've just been little by little by little just letting that happen. I think that's where time is your friend to let them learn that to be able to adjust on how you're going to manage family and staff and you know manage your money and small kids and up up at night with a baby and yet you got to prepare for a sermon and but you got to that morning <laughs> you know what it's all about you got house a house full right yeah yeah we do yeah so when you've made this statement before and this this was in the early years of part of this transition was a high tide rises all boats and so whether you rise or not is according to where your capacity is going to be and so as things were shifting and as things were elevating and moving um my personality is I, 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 I'm an owner, and so I don't want to just work here, but I want to be an owner. But my actual motive, a lot of things, is I, I want to be a part. So as things would shift or change or, or things would be needing to be led, I would just jump to the, the – I just felt the need. So I would just right. jump on it, start doing things. And he goes, hey, by the way, that's added to your title now or <laughs> that, that's added to your responsibility. And so things – Things like that begin to shift, and that was part of my learning experience is learning to take on more things um, and stretching my capacity, my growth, my leadership, um, what God is calling me to do. Um, so that whole dynamic of all that taking place, and even between us, um, with decisions being made, especially in the season we're in now with this, we're doing this together, um, it's a dynamic because of, of my mom's journey and, and more time for my dad to be at home with my mom and taking care of her and when because every day is different seasons you know change yep. so some days are really great some weeks are really great even months are really great and then you may go on a, a time when it's not so great so making big decisions um there's some things that we we may butt heads on like oh i see it this way or i see it this way and we have to kind of work through some of that but then um obviously at the end of the day we both know we we want the same thing we just may see it from a different angle and so uh, there, it was very far and few between, though, that any of that really takes place. And if it does, our personalities, we, we do think quite a bit alike. So it's not too far off. I may just see it from a little bit different perspective or from a younger generation perspective and, and, and or vice versa. And so I think it's been a pretty awesome dynamic. Some things I'm just like, hey, I want to own this. Can I have it? And he'll say, go for it. And some of it's like, no, I want my hand on it still because here's here's why. And so and we work together, and I think that's in this season right now, that's both hands on the baton. I feel like that's really where we've learned to build a stride together and making decisions and me learning and, and, and us having healthy conversations. I think that's a key is we, we stay on a uh, – we communicate every other day. Yeah, we're, we're talking. Um, and I'm, I'm, I want to do my best as the, the leading second or the younger generation or the su- successor um, is to – make sure that I'm in constant communication because he's not in the office every day. I am. Yeah. And so there's conversations, there's decisions being made. There's 
um, th- there's confrontations and, and, and structures being changed or whatever the case may be. I know that I, in order for me to keep him updated is up the utmost valuable to him. So he doesn't go out of the loop or I'm leaving him behind mm. or, or leaving him out because I'm trying to hide something or whatever the case may be. So I had to be intentional. And that's something that I, I don't know if, if I picked it up from him from a young age or if I, that's just something that was in me. But I, I communicate with him on a constant basis on, hey, here's what's going on. Probably more than he would rather hear because he's like, okay, thanks. And then that may be the end of the conversation. But, <laughs> uh, but the fact is he knows that I, I am wanting to keep him involved. Yeah. And I, there's no intention of me to try to push him out because um, that's not the season that that's not what's supposed to happen. Yeah, that's good. All right. So let's get, let's get to some of the, the nitty gritties now. Okay. So, so, I mean, how do you, Pastor Danny, like you, you're handing the baton off. Um, I'm sure, I mean, there's things that you just naturally do that, that Nathan's not you just, just experience. I mean, just experience alone is going to, or he's going to do something different that you don't necessarily agree with. Um, or he's making a decision that you're not sure about uh, these kind of things. So what what have you had to do differently as a leader to make this work? To get right to the nitty gritty, Kelly, you got to get your ego out off the shelf and put it. You got You got to get rid of your ego as a as a senior leader. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, boy, it's my mind running a thousand miles an hour. Yeah, something Brian Houston said years ago that really helped me. He didn't say it to me; he was just saying it to. I don't even remember the setting, but he said, "I don't want just experience because experience is a box. And experience is proven. We know what it'll do, but we don't know what it'll do beyond that." Mm. Steve got out of the box. He didn't stick with experience. He went beyond experience and created another experience. Right. And now we all carry him around called iPhones, right? Yeah. So the beautiful thing about collaboration is there's things I know, but there's things he knows. There's things I'm passionate about, but there's things he has strength and passion about. When we collaborate together, we get the best of both worlds. There's things he's willing to risk at 30 that at 59, I'm like, I don't want to risk that. Yeah, yeah. I would stop the church if I let my ego get in the way and say, but I'm the senior leader. I'm 60 years old almost, but I don't want to do that. So I got to get my ego off the shelf. I got to get... You know what I mean? I gotta, yeah, yeah. I gotta get all that aside and realize he's gonna, he's gonna knock it out of the park, and I gotta celebrate the wins with him and not be afraid to to, to share the glory of leading. Because someone else said to me one time, they said, "Do you miss preaching today?" Nathan was preaching. I said, "I am preaching." Where do you think the echo of the voice came from? Right. Yeah, yeah. That me, it's his own voice, but he's the echo of Janet and I. Yeah. We produced them. God gave us him, to, you know. God gave him to us through right, us. Right. So I, when you see it through those eyes, where my strength and his strength together, uh, I think it's so important. And then as a leader, I had to, things I had to do different and start changing my language. And I did that with our staff. Even this year, I in, in our staff day recently, I no one knew I was going to do this on Nobody. that particular day. He didn't know. My wife didn't know. And it wasn't like it was a big thing, but it, I mean, like it was a big announcement, but it was a big announcement. I just said, as of today, I want you to staff to know that I'm moving into a position of senior pastor and Pastor Nate is moving into a position of lead pastor. That's oh, going to be the language that we will have from here on out. Uh, that when you see me, I want you to start seeing me as a senior pastor 
And I want you to start seeing Pastor Nate as a lead pastor. So when he says something to you, when he gives you instruction as a staff, and we were meeting with staff and key leaders and staff spouses, so we, we have to start there, right? I'm like, if he says something to you, it's just if I'm saying it. Mm. Listen to him. So, so that's the groundwork we have laid, I think, uh, Kelly, um, to just release and give authority and then me sit on the front row and be the first one clapping, the first one standing when he is speaking and, and exhorting and leading. So you've been very intentional about the next-gen concept. So yep. our church is very big on reaching the next generation, but you've also been very, very adamant about it is our duty, our responsibility to lay up an inheritance, a legacy for our next gen. Not just an inheritance, that's what you're going to leave them with, but a legacy of what are you going to leave in them, not just physical leave them with. So I think he's done a really great job of steering the ship of our church being next gen and legacy minded. And his, he'll say it all the time. In 10 years, it will change everything. Right. So my son, who's six years old, will be 16. Oh, my God, I can't even imagine him driving. He's six years old. And so in 10 years, it changes everything. So he's been very, I think, intentional about saying it is our job and mandate. God has given them to us to contribute to them to train and develop the next generation. Wow. And we have to pass the baton to them because they are the future of now, not just the future of later. So I think that's some of the intentional things you've also done in this journey is just being very adamant, very clear. Like, and you don't apologize about it. And I think our church has really grabbed a hold of that. And that's what's made this process even more so, um, more enjoyable and easier for the entire context of our people. So, so good. Okay, so Nathan, uh, 10, 10 years in, uh, what's it been, been like for you? I'm sure there's parts of it where you're going, okay, this is taking too long. This is too slow. And I'm sure there's other times you're like, this is too fast. <laughs> slow down. So, I mean, what's it been like for you and how have you maintained focus? I mean, 10, 10 years, you know, 10 years into a 15 year plan. How do you maintain focus on, on the plan? How's that, how's that going? So I, I'll start our, start off saying that I, this, where I am now, I did not see myself 10 years ago. Um, even before I went to college, it's part of my story. Uh, I, I thought I was going to be this school to be an architect, and that's what I was actually pursuing school for at first. I was going to a community college in our city. I'm going to work on my transfer to go to Texas A&M. I was working on that. To be an architect, I love buildings. I love structures. So I didn't see myself here. So I think that I say that to say when God finally, when I really finally let go of what I wanted versus what God wanted, he said, no, you had the idea right, but I didn't call you to be an architect of, of uh, buildings. I called you to be an architect of people. Wow. And so I never saw myself or, or even told myself, I want to be a lead pastor. I didn't say that. I just said, God, I'm willing. And wherever I'll go, wherever you tell me to go. I felt like Abraham, where he was like, okay, God, and he said, go to a land, I'll show you. Well, it just happened to be Australia. And then the journey began for us. Um, so for me, I didn't have a goal like I want to be lead pastor. So I'm fighting everything I can to be there. It was I want to be where I am. And God, you'll show me what the next is. And so there's never been I've never fought for this. I never saw my I never to be honest, I never wanted it. And maybe that's why God gave it to me. I don't know. Um, so I say that's kind of how God works the call for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely and so for me it, it was just i felt something but I, and there was a time when we it really got real about three or four years ago four 
four or five years ago, four years ago, um, I knew, I finally felt God call me, like, you're called to, to be a lead pastor. And I, I remember the feeling, because it was the same feeling I felt five or six years before mm. when I was going to college. And there's a whole story about that, but I knew that I knew, and but I didn't know what to do with it because I didn't have clear direction on, is it where I'm at? Because there was not a whole lot of clarity at that point that we knew that there was a next gen, but we had, again, the dynamic of my brother and I, he's five and a half years older than me, different gifts, different talents, different abilities, but yet, what is this going to look like? And so I was like, okay, God, what are you saying? So I had to have a conversation with my parents and I said, here's what I'm feeling, but I feel guilty. I feel this because I don't know if it's here, if it's somewhere else. I don't know. And now the conversations began and I think maybe he was waiting. We haven't really said this yet, but maybe he was waiting on me to have that feeling mm-hmm. or that drive or that call. And then conversations began and he knew that there needed to be a little more clarity, but he also knew that he needed me to let him know how I felt. Yeah. Kelly, you, know, you can't call your sons or anyone in the ministry. They have to, find that on their own they have to know it in here right yeah for sure and that and I, I saw him struggling with it but i couldn't fix the struggle it's like the chick breaking out of that shell you, i had to let him get to the place where he got uncomfortable right and i sat on it for a year and you and know half. what that's like i mean you've been in ministry long enough but yeah. you get uncomfortable right. where you're like i gotta do something okay now we can talk because you're uncomfortable yeah and so we did and that's what we that would i would say was when we shifted into the second five-year space window of more clarity and then I had to meet with our older son. This is this, this is really powerful. Yes. I had to meet with our older son and his wife, which his wife is one of our communicators. Okay? Right. So, and she, I mean, she spoke Sunday. Unbelievable yeah. message on Sunday. Yeah, so that's my oldest son's wife. Well, mm. I asked the first question. I had the two of them in the room with Janet, and I said, do you feel called to be a lead pastor? And he said, no. Mm. It took me a while to get to that point because I thought as the oldest son, I needed to be called. Right. But I don't feel called. I'm like, okay, that answers what, now we know where to go. We know right. what to do. From the get out, the sec, or the the start, it was more of like, you're going to co-lead this together. That's really kind of how, this is where the, un, the little bit of confusion or not the clarity that we didn't have. So, but we didn't talk about that. Right. Nor did I talk to my brother about it. So there, there was this unknown, unheard, unsaid undertone, and we're trying to all figure this out, but no one's saying anything, but we know we're we, we're, we all believe in each other, so there's this was a big tension. It was it was a good tension though, Kelly. It, it was yeah. Good. Well, that, that'd be so. What what if he would have said yes? Yeah, I feel called, Dad, to be a, a lead pastor. If he said yes, the, the path would have been different. All right, is it here or is it somewhere else? Right, right. Figure out, we do we do we start another campus somewhere, and you're going to lead that, or what do we we have we have to create another plan? Right, right. Plan be different. Yeah. Uh, but when. Yeah, but we didn't have to do when that. Here, here's, I think, what was pivotal. When I came in to start in the very beginning 10 years ago when I was leading youth, my brother was our youth worship leader, the worship pastor, if you will. Yeah. And so I came in as youth director, a youth pastor, if you will, and he, at the very beginning, there was a – and I was on the worship team too. I, I played drums. I was one of our main drummers. So there was a constant, like – He's leading worship, and I'm the drummer that day, so I submit to him. But then it's Wednesday night, and I'm leading youth, and he's my worship leader, so he's submitting to me. So there was – God knew what he was doing, yeah. and that was the beginning. And we had some fallouts. Like there were some heated conversations because we, we just – we were young and immature, and we didn't – we're both fighting for something. Yeah. But then years later, I mean, 
conversations that had, he was like, it's, it's humility and all that kind of had to come into play for both of us and strength came with all that as well. So it, it's been pretty amazing. That's that's amazing. That's so good. Uh, so talk to us. I mean, there's there's a shift in in the staff. I mean, there's when you transition, it's just not the transition between the, the two of you. And succession is not just about this. I mean, there's a shift in the staff and 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 where they follow and who and when and where. And there's a shift in the congregation as well. So talk to us about some of those dynamics with the staff first. And let's let's you know, I'm sure there's some tensions that that created there too, or uncertainty. It was uncertainty. So 10 years ago, I made the statement to our team, uh, almost 10 years ago, I said, you got to be reproducing yourself. we got to raise up the next generation. They explore, explain that while I go. It's going to be messy, you know, putting 18-year-olds in here, 20-year-olds in here. It's going to be, they're not mature. We know that. They have a limit, limited experience, and we're going to have to train them and work with them. And some people couldn't handle it. They're like, well, why are we doing that? I'm like, because they're going to leave. 10 years from now, it changes everything. You're not going to, if you don't get with the program, you won't have a job in 10 years. Right. You're does to not have a job. Your job is create other leaders. Right. That's your job. Your your job is to work yourself out of a job. Yeah. Some got on board with that. Some didn't. The ones that didn't are not here. Right. Not here anymore. Uh, there is one. I'll pick pick one person. Won't call him by name. But there is one staff member who has been with me twenty years, and he has made himself valuable, and he's made the transition, and he became a confidant to Nathan and Kendall. He he, he but he's loyal to me. He, so you know what? He has a seat on the bus at, because he he knows if I'm going to go, I, I need to embrace this. And he didn't do it just because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. Right. And he's become a real strength on our team. He's kind of the old, he's the oldest guy on staff. So he's, he's in his mid fifties. Well, obviously other than you. Other than me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's the guy that's here every day. He's an older, he's been around 20 years. He's, he's got a real loving heart. And so he's just kind of the glue that loves everybody and he's in our finance. He's, he's our, our COO. My point is, it is t- you got to have the hard conversations. And yep. there's, some, there's some moving off of staff right now. There's some that moved off in the last year or two that have been with me a long time. Mm. They just couldn't make the transition. I'm like, I'm not going to be here. So, so I started putting them under him. Like, okay, you're going to serve under Nathan. And, and this your job, you're going to answer to him. And some of them couldn't do it. No, like I, 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 they always wanted to come back to me. And well, I'm like, it's it's difficult on both sides because <laughs> they were my leader, and well, I'm like, how does this work? Because I'm uncomfortable, and I don't know how to do this. And I, I, they're reporting to me, and so there was a lot of tension conversations with them. Yeah, but I, mean, I think it's, I think it's, uh, uh, that doesn't surprise me, and I'm glad you guys are open and talking about that because I mean that would be, I'm sure this pastor's going, how do am I going to work this? But it's it's better to ha- to work it now than hand the baton off and then have a staff that's that that now Nathan's having to wrestle with and he's having to let people go, which creates uncertainty in the congregation. So let's talk about the, even the name change of our church. We we were a, our name wasn't always Skybreak. Right. When we moved in this new building five years ago, I chose to name change the name of the church because we, we had this dialogue, just things like that. I didn't want him to come in. We were we were called Covenant Family Church for over twenty years. Right. And the word Covenant is a great name, and all that, and had a lot of it had a lot of people could uh, equity here in town. But Covenant is kind of an archaic word. Unless you're an attorney, you don't really use that word or know what it is. People don't know the covenants of God. They, anyway, we, we and I wasn't looking to change the name. No, no, we weren't. So nobody was. But I said, let me do some of those things now. Let me take the brunt of that. Let me right. make the staff. Let me face the staff now. So this is what I would say, a senior leader. I have owned that. It's not been easy. 
And and I don't I, I thank God for the staff He gave me for these twenty years. But if you got to think about the future and you got to make these decisions, don't just because if the baton gets dropped, I mean the exchange zone is the most critical time in a relay. If it gets dropped or you go outside of that exchange zone, you're disqualified. It's over. Wow. Go look at the U.S. Olympic team in the years yeah. gone by when the Olympic team made some major faux pas, like three or four Olympics in a row. It's over. Yeah. So I'm like, no, I'm more concerned about, or you feel a passion, and I'm sorry, I'm more <laughs> concerned about about trying to get it right, even if some people don't go along on the journey. That's their decision. I got to make sure we hand this off. I got 32 years here. I want the next 32 to be even better. Yeah, that's so good. So, so talk about the congregation. When did when did you inform the congregation this is a plan? You know their response. Yeah, all that. So I've never I've never publicly got up and said we're on a fifteen year program. I've never said that. Right. I have just lived out the plan in front of them. Right. Watched it unfold in front of them. And new people that are coming to the church now, they don't know any different anyway. They're just seeing Nathan speak. They do see Kendra speak. Kendra's over our women's ministry, yeah. which is not his wife. Now she'll be the lead pastor's wife, but the sister—that's another dynamic of sister-in-laws. Right. That's been a whole nother thing we've worked through. That has been a godsend, and, and but we there were a few hard, there's been bumps in the road, but thank God we've worked through them, and we can talk about that. That's probably a whole nother podcast. Yeah. So that, that, this this be longer than twenty or thirty minutes here. Yeah. But but uh, you know they had to identify their lane and their giftings, so. People have come into the church. One of our staff members now, that's, she's been, they've been coming to our church a little over a year. She's now on staff. She said, I came for a month before I ever heard Pastor Danny speak. I, I, I was, she came when I spoke. He spoke. And then Kendra, and then spoke. Kendra spoke. And it was like three or four weeks before I spoke. But she was already a part of the church before she ever even heard me speak. So, so how, how, many Sundays a, how many Sundays a year right now, Pastor Danny, are you speaking? So I'm doing 22 this year of 2019. Okay, okay and Nathan, Nathan, you're doing? 20. 20. So that leaves yep. ten other, or more than that, yeah, ten other weekends. So Kendra's doing like four of those, yeah. And we well, we have a couple other guys that communicate that are really good speakers, yeah. and we mix them in too. Plus, if you have a guest, you know. So wow, wow, really cool. This has been so good, and I mean, there's, I mean, we could talk for hours on, on this thing. There's so much in here. But what advice would you give to pastors about succession? Gosh, Kelly, I I, I think they have to. The first thing I'd say is start. Now, mm. start now. Don't I mean, figures, even if you don't have a person, have a plan. Start creating what you think it should look, look like, even if you don't know who it is. Right. Uh, we happen to have blood and, and family, literal family, as Nathan being my son. A lot of pastors may not have a son. They may have a daughter and a son-in-law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dynamics may be completely different. They may not have children that are even in ministry. And that's OK. I get that. But they need somebody. What are you going to do when you're 65? I don't want to wait till I'm 65 and start trying to figure that out. Right, right. Then, then I'm beyond the curve of momentum. I'm hit. You, I mean, you lose the momentum, right? Yeah. I would just say, start now. Uh, it's your job to train other leaders and pastors. It's your job to find other leaders, and you're going to have to go find somebody, and you're going to have to be able to trust them. And they're going to be different than you, and they're going to do it different than you. But you got to. if you don't, there's going to be nobody. Yeah. So the lesser of the two evils, if you're going to look at it from that perspective, right? Um, so, and be willing to be willing to share that. You got to, you just got to be get uncomfortable. If you're not comfortable, you got to not let the pulpit be your identity. You got to get off that horse and be willing to share it and get somebody else in there. Otherwise, the church is just going to die when you're done. Yeah.
That's so good. Man, this has been so good. Thanks, guys, for, for doing this. Is there anything that I should have asked uh, but didn't? Well, I would say to your previous question about what would you tell pastors, I would also say the person who maybe feels God's call that's under someone in leadership, like in my position, in whatever context that may be in, I would just encourage you to submit yourself to that leader and just allow God to do things through him to through you right and just enjoy the journey and the more it's, it's kind of like the more you want it and the more you squeeze it the more you're actually going to lose it like a bar of soap in a shower if you will yep yep allow god to, to to take it and one of the i mean one of the phrases we've always said was just hold your calling tight but your position loose and i think just being flexible um i think that's the the versatility of knowing whether or not you can actually be a lead pastor is can you do some of these things? And it's not just can you do them, but are you just willing? Um, so I would say have a spirit of unity. You don't have to agree to be in unity, but you can definitely still stay in a spirit of unity and just submit yourself. God will work it out in the time that he. I think that's I think that's so good. I, I mean, it's obvious to me and just in, in the conversation here that the the level of honor and respect between the two of you is uh, it's beyond just saying okay father and son that, that but i mean you can father and son can butt heads faster than anybody else too right so i mean that that's that's dynamic is not necessarily blood related but there's a level of respect and trust and honor back and forth and level of communication that i i think that is vital so i think i think that's that's really good that takes that's active part of both that does. That's not just one or the other. That's an active part of both. So, man, this has been so so good. I'm sure there's pastors, leaders listening. They're saying, "Man, I I need more information. I need to I need to hear more about this." So, where where can our listeners connect with you guys online? Well, skybreakchurch.com is our website. We're in College Station, Texas, or our, you can download the Skybreak app. Uh, you can find me at uh, on Instagram and uh, uh, and Twitter at. Uh, Danny Green, uh, Danny H. Green, Danny H. Green, uh, Facebook, Danny Green. That's, uh, you know, yeah. uh, anything. And so, uh, and you go online, you can email us and all that as well. Um, Nathan, where can they reach yeah, you? Yeah, mine, Instagram and Twitter is just Nathan D. Green and Facebook, obviously, Nathan Green. So, Awesome. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Thank you. We don't have it right. I mean, we don't have it perfect, but we're trying to get it right. Let me say it that way. No, it, it is amazing. I, I've never heard uh, anything quite like it. And so I, I bravo to you guys for for this journey. And um, it's exciting to watch. And it'd be exciting to watch for the next uh, next five years. <laughs> I'm excited too. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Thanks so much, guys, for being on the program. And, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Thank Pastor you. Kelly. Love you guys. Wow, what a fascinating conversation yeah. with Pastor Danny and Nathan. Man, so much in there. I think pastors and leaders, the, you got to go back and listen to this again. Definitely. Watch this again because there is so much in here that they brought up that is uh, amazing that we need to think on, yeah. pray about, uh, press into because mm-hmm. it, it's huge. What, what was your big takeaway? Yeah, I mean, so many notes, but in this one where he talks about just the succession plan and talking about how it's not like the handoff doesn't happen when the leader starts to slow down, but it should happen when the leader's at full pace and then those coming up behind should match pace. So good. I, that's absolutely, that's a relay race that happens yeah. uh, in, in succession as well. I mean, too many people try to hand off when, you know, they're almost <laughs> out of breath or they're, or they're tired and they're slowed down. And then in order to that hand exchange to happen. Yeah then that who's taking the baton has to be 
at that pace too in order to have that exchange or happen. They try so, to like, or they try to hand it off too early. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And it, what what stood out to me was that revelation. I never really paid attention to it before, but that scripture, Numbers eight twenty three, where it talks about the Levites that working from age 25 to age 50, and then they had to pass on the baton at age 50. I've never seen that before. That that kind of stood out to me. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. there's so much, so much good stuff in here. And I'd encourage all of you pastors again, man, think on this, yeah. pray about this, press into this. There's there's much that we need to learn or think about, talk about with our boards, you know, with our staff uh, in the whole area of succession. Man, I, again, Go cast is got crazy content, crazy so content, good. so much in there. So how do people connect with us? Yeah, for sure. They can go to iTunes and subscribe to the GoCast network on the YouTube channel of GoCast, or they can go to the website at gocast.ca. Yeah. And you can join the conversation with us on Facebook or on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Have you participated in this conversation? We're on mission to create uh, soul winning churches and whatever you're doing that is working. We'd love to hear from mm-hmm. you. If there's questions you have, we'd love to hear those questions and dive into solutions with you on that. And man, next week we have a great conversation with my friend, Pastor Dennis Vardy of Celebration Church in Edmonton. And here's a clip from that conversation. For us, uh, you know, 18 years ago, somebody in our church had a, you know, an antique car. They were part of a car club and, and they just threw out the idea. They said, hey, you know, we, I could get my friends to come here on Father's Day and maybe we could, you know, put some barbecue out and feed people and put on a car show. And, you know, what, what dad wouldn't want to come on Father's Day to see some, some cars? And so that was that was literally how it started. Wow. Uh, you know, our, our first year, we had like 30 vehicles, and that included a bicycle. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what it was like. Um, and and we just we just kept that going. And t- what it has grown into today is the largest Father's Day event in our city. Yeah, um, Edmonton's known as the City of Festivals. This is the festival that we host. And this is one of the ways that we serve our city, provide for families, because there's there's no admission charged. Uh, the food is free. Registering your car is free. L- literally, the whole thing wow. is on complimentary. Uh, we do have some sponsors, but of course, Celebration Church is the major sponsor and hundreds. It takes about 400 volunteers to run it now. And there's about 400 show cars that will be there and about 15,000 people that will traffic through. All right. Can't wait for next episode with Pastor Dennis. Fascinating conversation you're not going to want to miss. Thank you again for joining us at GoCast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.